You're listening to the Red Bull Amapico Podcast, Baltimore edition. Something I learned about storytelling was uh, that I'm bad at it. I think a story starts with empathy. Our tagline for Brown and Healthy is change the narrative, change the world. I mentioned the robots, mentioned the drones and the 3D printing and the game design. Welcome back to the Red Bull Amapico Podcast with me, Audrey Buchanan. This episode is all about storytelling, because in reality, all good movements are rooted in story, in language and narrative that draws you in and takes you on a journey. For centuries, cultures around the world have used the oral tradition to shape, guide, preserve, and transmit messages to future generations that still feel relevant today. One of the coolest parts of the Amapico Academy is the medicine show, where local musicians, poets, and entertainers use their craft, whether it be drum beats or poetry, to tell the stories of Baltimore startups like Touching Young Lives and the Station North Tool Library. Uh, I'm Joseph Curitan. I'm Shelley Says So, and I'm a poet. I'm here with Core Staffing. We are a worker-owned cooperative staffing firm for people coming out of prison and jail. I thought it would be an interesting challenge. When I was first approached, I had no idea what organization I would be partnered with. So it was, you know, a mystery kind of challenge as a writer. Uh, When I first heard about it, I was like, what the hell is this? We met up, um, kind of told each other what we did, and I feel like I kind of interviewed and or grilled him about his organization so that I could understand it. Yeah, so I think that the base, like, the, the like first principle here is that, like, yeah, she grilled the fuck out of me. So, so she grilled me and was like, what the hell are you doing in your life? What are you doing wrong? No, I'm joking. Uh, really, it is about, um, I think, to, in order to tell a story about something, you have to know, like, kind of in-depth, um, like, the, the ethos behind it. Um, and she got to the bottom of that, like, really quickly, so... I had never even heard of the phrase returning citizens before, so it wasn't something I had thought a lot about or spent a lot of time with. So I think everything that I talked to him about was kind of new as far as not being something that I had really thought of or been conscious of previously. Uh, Something I learned about storytelling was uh, that I'm bad at it and that (laughs) I probably uh, need to engage with people that are not so bad at it um, in order to, like, you know, get Core's message out there. Um, you get different perspective. I think because it was sort of foreign to me, um, it was probably a little bit easier for me to tell a story in an empathetic way that someone who wasn't familiar with the idea could understand it, um, as opposed to when you're in something day in and day out, you're a little bit too close to it, and sometimes you can't see it how other people might see it. If you bring two worlds that are generally dichotomous, like <laughs> French work and like like, I don't know, I feel like most of the time art is a little bit, like, ephemeral. Um, we're probably, there's going to be a clash, but I think it's a beautiful clash. And I think it's, like, a good thing um, that should happen more often. Our next guest helps people tell their story and gets them paid for it. Amy Cahurl founded Detroit Soup, a micro-grant dinner created to amplify and drive funding directly towards creative projects in Detroit. People attending put in five bucks, they listen to presentations from social impact projects, and then at the end they vote on who gets the money. It's a way of supporting local projects that's literally for and by the community. I am Amy Kerhurl, and I am the founder of Global Soup. A pitch is that you're trying to get something from somebody. It feels very um, aggressive. I think a story starts with empathy. I think a story starts with your lived experience. And I think a story is how you are on a journey and that after this pitch, you're gonna continue on this journey with or without that other person. Filmmaker and photographer Malika Aminata Clements. 
when there's something that bothers me or rubs me any way or makes me feel anything, it makes me want to go further into it and explore it and ask questions. I just show what I think is important. And then from there, people will be like, oh yeah, that did happen and I feel the same way. Again, I think it's just like showing my own experience. If you are a creator, then create what you feel like needs to be seen and heard. And as far as people who are just taking it in, but everyone's a creator. So I, w I would give that advice to everyone. Um, but then I would also say, you know, be open, listen more. Um, yeah, listen, listen. It helps to have a great hook, a memorable idea that leaves an imprint in people's minds. Baltimore-based organization B360 uses dirt bike culture to get kids into engineering. And Muhammad Najila is bridging the tech divide here with an interactive robotic gaming system. I feel like you have to be able to shift your storytelling um, depending on who, who's in front of you um, and what, what value they have for, uh, for what you're trying to accomplish. Um, for young people, the story that I present would directly relate to how fun and exciting some of the activities that we get into in our workshops, hoping that that, that grabs them. You know, I mentioned the robots, mentioned the drones and the 3D printing, the game design. And that's all, um, that's all exciting and cool and, and innovative and interesting to young people. Or sometimes right, right on the spot also. Sometimes right on the spot, I, I get into careers also, you know, further education, uh, careers and, and entrepreneurship opportunities. The fact that there's so many jobs available now for young people that if they're interested in bettering their life, with, which nine times out of ten they are, um, you know that that there are jobs available where they could get seventy grand, eighty grand out the gate um, first year if if they apply themselves now to learning certain skills. So I focus on those two components of of, of, of storytelling. Brittany Young from B360. Utilizing dirt bike culture, I think, resonates with people because it's not like a, uh, I want to say it's necessarily a catchy hook. It is like a part of the makeup of a person. So in Baltimore, we are the capital of dirt bike riding. The people that love to ride dirt bikes love the idea because it presents an opportunity for them to ride safely, but to also like engage in different ways they didn't necessarily think about. Um, so it's a mix of, we're saying you, we have a space for you to ride. So once they hear that, they just want to ride anyway. So then it's like, oh, and we're going to do other stuff. Utilizing dirt bikes and its culture is a good thing and a bad thing. Again, because it, a good way, because people resonate really well with it because they understand riding a dirt bike. So we, then we make the connections between engineering and then they realize the same stuff that they already did. Um, so that part is like, perfect but in a bad way because people view dirt bike riders so negatively as like gun towing criminals for funders or like communities governments um etc when i talk about it i have this first thought with like children so i always mention how there's like a four-year-old girl that i work with um who's been riding since she was two and she knows how to fix a dirt bike and she'll be turning five so that's a picture you've never thought about before but it's also like the essence and the core of the work that we do too um, so more on the negative side, it also makes it hard because the legislation is so restrictive around urban dirt bike riding in the city, especially. 
where of course you can't ride on the street, but you can't ride on private property. You can't own a dirt bike unless it's locked away and you get a misdemeanor um, for all of those things. So it just makes it even harder to have a program that includes dirt bike riding because the law basically says you can't do it. And then we also try to employ dirt bike riders as well to be our instructors and our coaches. So I also have the duty of making sure I don't accidentally criminalize them for taking a risk on me too. Muhammad Najila. I really had to learn a lot um, about who I'm talking to. You know, got to prepare based on, you have to have language prepared depending on what type of person you're, you're in front of, which I, I, I really develop anxiety around and, and dread over, I'm telling you, man. Some of these people, they just, just concerned with the bottom line and that's it, you know, return on investment. What, how much money can you make me? If you have a valuable message and it's not resonating with people, right, then there's something there, there's a problem with the way that you're presenting, you know, to some degree. So I, I, I chose, over time, I chose to focus my energy there on what I am saying, what I'm not saying, versus the fact that this person didn't get it and why they didn't get it, and being bitter about that or being upset about that um, and never going into that type of person again, you know, that kind of thinking. I had to let that go and just focus on just upgrading the quality of my presentation. Hi, my name is Michelle Antoinette Nelson, a.k.a. Love the Poet. I'm the founder and chief visionary officer of Brown and Healthy, a 501c3 organization. It is really important for social entrepreneurs to understand what they're doing is cultural. The voice you just heard is Michelle Antoinette Nelson, a.k.a. Love the Poet, one of Baltimore's leading spoken word artists. She runs the city's longest-running poetry slam, Be Free Fridays. Uh, so I wrote uh, this poem called We Exist because... Our tagline for Brown and Healthy is change the narrative, change the world. And the narrative is such that, especially in Baltimore City, that we're either the wire or we're non-existent. But I think that we need to be very declarative in the fact that we are actually here. It's a 64% black city. And when I wear a shirt or and I say or and I engage or download the app that says I'm brown and healthy, it's a declarative statement that says not only do I exist, I'm going to continue to exist and I'll be here, you know? So when I wrote the poem, I actually fought with myself. I said, I'm not going to write the poem. I'm not doing poems right now. I'm running a company. And a lot of times, because I've traveled the world and I have a really large fan base as Love the Poet, a lot of times people really only hear me in poems. So sometimes you just have to meet people where they're at. When I would come with my brown and healthy stuff, it wasn't the same impact until I did the poem. And when I did the poem, everybody sat up, they stood up, and they were like, oh, this is what you've been saying this whole time? I'm like, yeah, you know, just been talking to you. <laughs> so it was this a, a really... Um, amazing interaction and I realized how actually how powerful art really really is so I look into tomorrow and it looks like turmoil and sorrow it looks like no hope for the hopeful it looks like another day in the hood though for the brown folk who are siloed another day for the overworked and underpaid expected to multiply lows with the existence God gave like just be here and make a way in a world that pays homage to your bondage and dabs to your pain, dabs, dabs to your pain. Pain played in rhythms that used to be blues, but all the rage, all the rage exists in the belief that none of us do a thing. But if none of us do a thing, then why is productivity up? Why are products geared toward us like 365 days in the black community? Like the arches on the main line and we need them for our immunity to health and wellness. The fear is this. 
If we could be made to be poison peddlers, we can be made to be personal trainers. If we can be made to be junkies, we can be made to be wellness practitioners. What does being brown and healthy mean if it ain't a call to action? What if we could climb out of that negative narrative hand in hand? Bandwagon this here lifestyle companion, a platform for us to stand and live a better life. What if the African diaspora was able to unite? What if we smiled at a technology that made things all right? What if we got our mental, physical, and emotional well-being tight, preparing together for the fight of our lives with our kids? Let's step out of the shadows together and declare that we exist proactively, retroactive speak, downloading the app that's reach grabs communities across the seas, transforming smartphones into honing beacons for hope and safety in the brown community. What if we coveted unity? Join this movement. Grab the swag and sweat it to the oldies in harmony. Ancestor conjuring daily, living, breathing, chanting. We are brown and we are healthy. You're listening to the Red Bull Amapico podcast, Baltimore edition.